What doesn't he do? It is time for Riskin at all with Dan Riskin. But we don't even have the sounder. <sighs> Should I just make some noises? Pa-do, do 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 Dan Riskin. Pa-do. Do Dan. We could just do like a homemade version. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay, you ready? I'll do it no. myself. Okay, I'm going to just do it. It's time for that favorite segment of the week when we bring on our brilliant friend Dan Riskin, the CTV science and technology specialist, who's actually got a children's book he's just published yesterday, Fiona the Fruit Bat. It's time for Risking It All with Dan Riskin. Dan Riskin, that sounds right. Dan Riskin. Hey, buddy, how's it going? <laughs> great, man. Th- th- thank you for that great introduction. Yeah, no I'm super psyched. Like normally I'm talking all science, but this time it's a kid's book and I'm, it took a long time and I'm really psyched about it. Okay, let's talk about Fiona the Fruit Bat. Congratulations. Your first kid's book came out Tuesday, September 12th. Tell us about this. Yeah, actually, today's Tuesday. It came out today, Tuesday, September 13th. So it's um, it's uh, it's just brand new. And it's based on this bat that I met when I was a young grad student. I went to Costa Rica, and uh, I, like it was my first day in the tropics. And this other grad student said, do you want to see a bat? And I said, yes. And he said, stick your head in that cave. And it was a little tiny opening, and I stuck my head in this hole and looked up. And about an arm's length away was this adorable little bat with a little triangle on its nose, And I'd never seen one of these leaf-nosed bats before. And it was a short-tailed fruit bat. It's one of the best-studied bats in the world. And uh, just I locked eyes with it, and I just had this moment of, like, this is what I was meant to do. I just just want people to know, the way you described the um, short-tailed fruit bat, um, like it's this – it is a creature that is – like we should describe it because many people might not have that same, oh, I locked eyes with it and knew this is my destiny. It is pretty gross looking to many people, not to you. You Right. So that's the thing is they do have personality. Bats have (laughs) charisma. And so, you know, everybody like reacts to a bat. Nobody's indifferent. If a bat flies in the room, everybody notices, right? It's like, it's a big deal. Um, And there's, there's a magic behind them. And if you see them in the right context and it's a calm environment and they're not freaking out and you're not freaking out, you, you can have these quiet moments where you sort of see them scratch themselves and like twist around on their perch hanging upside down and, and you sort and they move their neck in funny ways and they point their nose where they're listening. Cause this is a bat that echolocates with its nose, which it's is got, really like cool. its nose kind of sticks up. Like it, it looks like it's almost got like a, what we like a little satellite dish sticking up yeah. from its snout. Yeah. It's called a nose leaf, and that's a good name for it. It's a little triangle that sticks up. And so anyway, um, this bat and I uh, just had this moment. The bat probably forgot about it the, right away, but I, I, it st- stayed with me. And this specific kind of bat has this developmental process that I've always been really excited about because basically the bat lives in the dark and it doesn't know how to echolocate as a baby. And its mom comes and takes it and carries it around and, and it will go feed with its mom, but it drinks milk and it stays behind in the cave in the dark, unable to echolocate. Uh, you know, it, it can see, but it's dark. So it can't actually use its eyes very well in, in the darkness. And it's like that for its whole sort of childhood for the first three weeks of its life. And then when it gets to about three weeks old, it suddenly starts making the right kinds of noises that hmm. it can echolocate. And so you can imagine it goes from a r- world where it can't perceive anything to all of a sudden being able to see the entire cave. And it's like basically at that exact time that the bat first starts to fly. And I've always thought about how cool that is as a developmental thing and try to imagine what it would be like to be that baby bat and be, you know, scared and it's dark and you don't know how you're possibly going to be able to fly because you can't even see anything. And then all of a sudden you realize you have this ability and you can trust yourself and you can fly. And so that's sort of the developmental process 
that that underlies the book and all the science is behind the scenes. I don't talk about the science in the book. I just talk about this bat's experience, but it, it's cool to imagine that. And I think it's a nice metaphor for everything a kid has to do that they've never done before, right? Like go to the dentist or ride a bus or whatever it is that they're scared to do. They've never done it and they have to sort of trust themselves. I think that's a nice metaphor for that. So Fiona, the fruit bat is a little baby bat too scared to fly. Cause it's too dark which is actually realistic. It's actually kind of true. In real life, that's true, but you've kind of made it. So Fiona's kind of terrified of the dark and she's got to learn to trust herself. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's, you know, follow your own voice is a really cool sort of saying, but when you're echolocating, that's exactly what you have to do. And and her mom doesn't spell it out for her. Her mom just says, listen, and that gives her that clue, but she has to work it out on mm. her own. And there's this nice thing about echolocation that you can't echolocate with somebody else doing the shouting. You yourself have to shout. You yourself have to be the one making the noises. And the thing is, and we've talked about this, but humans can echolocate too, to a certain degree, not like a bat does, but pretty darn well. And so at the back of the book, after the story, I have some exercises that parents can do with their kids where you can actually figure out that how to do some beginning echolocation by holding the book in front of your face and making funny noises and then moving the book away and realizing it sounds different and, and uh, just exploring that, that echolocation theme a little farther. Speaking of Dan Riskin, who's got his first children's book out, came out today, Fiona the Fruit Bat. Um, who publishes the book? It's it's Greystone. They're out Gray- of Vancouver. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know Greystone. Okay, so Greystone Books, uh, publishing houses, publishing Fiona the Fruit Bat. Uh, this is for kids like, what, three to seven? And is exactly. it a picture book? Like, who illustrates it? Yeah, so Rachel Tsutsi is this uh, Toronto-based artist. And basically, we had the story figured out. It's funny because I sort of had the story. I had this science worked out. And I had the idea of what the story would be. And then I talked to these publishers. And they're like, great, this is going to be fantastic. They gave me an editor uh, who, uh, her name's Callie George. And they said, okay, you guys are going to work this out. And I did my first draft. And Callie was very patient. She's like, okay, that was really great, Dan. You've got a lot of good ideas. Let's try again and do this differently. And so there were a lot of back and forth. And it changed dramatically because my instincts as a, you know, scientist who spent way too much time reading scientific papers just didn't lend themselves to the page. So she did a great job getting the language just the way we wanted it. And then once we were getting close to realizing what the flow was like and what the pace was like and who this bat was that we were meeting in the book... Um, we started looking at the portfolios of different artists. And the key was to find someone who knows how to take animals that aren't necessarily cute in real life when you first look at them and how to bring out the cuteness in them. And I think that Rachel has done a really good job of that. This bat, you know, right on the cover, you can see she's got this look in her eyes, like she's nervous about something. Mm. And and it, it, it it's a cute, attractive little bat. I mean, I'm biased to like bats to start with, but people who don't like bats have also said they like the way this one looks. You know, I, w- now, how old are your kids now? Uh, they are, well, they just had birthdays. So I've got 11 and eight and eight. Right, right. Like when my kids were young, I also uh, decided to write some kids books. So I published a series of kids books, Nathaniel McDaniel and the Magic Attic with Penguin. And for my kids, I did one for my daughter and then one for my son. And and I, one of the things I loved about publishing kids books was not only, you know, working with the illustrator, um, an incredible, great thing to do. But also that I ended up doing lots of readings for years to kid to classrooms of kids, young kids mm. who would then like send me their the adventures of Nathaniel McDaniel. Are you going to do a bit of a tour and and, and do some classroom readings? 
I would love to do that. I have, even before I had a master's degree, when I was just a guy who liked bats, who had, who had finished my undergrad, I was volunteering in classrooms to talk about bats and showing pictures. And then once I started doing research, I started giving slideshows about the, the, the trips I'd done to see bats. And that sort of like morphed into my whole career in science communication. Like there's no practice, like getting up in front of a bunch of junior high kids and trying to get them to listen to you talk about bats, right? Because they're a tough audience. And if, you know, if you can't get them to listen, um, they're not going to be polite and just listen anyway they're teenagers and so mm. i really learned to like hold an audience's attention that way and it was really good practice and so going into classrooms and talking to young people about bats is something i've always loved doing and it's going to be fun to have this book to sort of have that way to do it and i've read the book to my kids um, i haven't had the opportunity to read it to anyone else yet so i'm really looking forward to that um that interaction that happens and i hope that parents have the same experience there's some sound effects and some noises that i'm, I'm looking forward to hearing how different people read those and, and oh well, could, could just be that. so give us quick I got a minute. Give me some sound effects and noises. That how well, like how would Riskin read it? Well, so there's. Let me grab the book. There's a there's a one page where the bat can hear things in the cave that she she hears noises she recognizes like a tucka tucka tick and a splat 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 and a bibble babble bubble. But she doesn't know what's making those noises because she can't perceive the cave yet. And then later in the book, once she figures out her echolocation, those things come to light and you can see what it is that makes those right. noises. So okay. anyway, it's, can it's, I uh, can I give you a little tip? I got ten seconds. When you yeah, say like ticky ticky tick, like give it like a little like ticky ticky tick. You know what I mean? Like throw down okay. a little, you know. Give it a little Evan Solomon? No, give it a little Dan Riskin. Oh, you're the goods. Thanks, you're man. The, you're the best. Congrats, Fiona the fruit bat. Pick it up for your kids. Dan's first children's book. Dan, congrats. You rock. Thanks so much. Thanks.